so about three or four years ago, I went along. I was, I was going to this like a, a get together with a bunch of people who'd been doing sort of prophetic stuff in the church, and uh, we were going to this uh, evening where another group from another church were coming, and they were going to pray for us. And they were going to seek God, have words for us, and it was just going to be a real an evening of encouragement. I was, you know, obviously that's pretty cool. So I'm going to this meeting, and uh, I'm driving my way there. And on my way there, I just, I was running late, stressed out. People held me up or whatever, and I just lost it. Like, I was just, just, like, screaming in my car at people, swearing, just, just completely lost it. And uh, obviously within the confines of my car, so the people I was angry with couldn't hear me or get back at me. But I was, but I was really angry. And uh, so I get to this place, and I pull up park, and I, I go in. And you know when you're really kind of, uh, you know when you're really just a bit sort of sick of yourself? You know, just a bit sort of ashamed and just like, oh, I can't believe I'm still going through this, struggling with this stuff. And uh, you know when, when you feel like that, like the last place you want to be. The last people you want to hang out with is Christians, isn't it? <laughs> and these were like, these guys were like the worst people, because they were like really full of the Holy Spirit, joy-filled Christians that were at this thing. And so I get there, and I just, oh, I just don't want to be here. And uh, I don't think I would have articulated it like this at the time, but I think looking back, actually more than not wanting to be hanging around with all these really passionate, zealous, uh, happy Christians was, actually, I just didn't want to really be with God right then. Because I was feeling so kind of hypocritical, and uh, you know, I just I could I could really just do with some time away from God so that I could come back to Him when I was in a, perhaps a bit of, a bit of a better state, and uh, and that's how I felt. And uh, but I had this wonderful evening where people were ministering to me and praying for me, and it's just a great time. And uh, and the message that really came through, and I remember one person in particular just saying to me, like, "You need to know how much." You need to know how much God loves you. You need to know the Father's love for you. And, and I, I remember her saying that, and I remember thinking, yeah, I know. I, I remember thinking, yeah, I've been in the church, whatever, like 20 years at that point, but I remember thinking, yeah, I do. I need to know it in a, in a way that I don't know it right now. But I also thought, but I don't know how. And my, what I contend today is that if I was going uh, to say to us now, you know, does God love us? And you would go, I think you would pretty much... Most of you would be like, yeah, God loves us. Uh, but if I was to like, sit down with you like one-on-one and say, right, does God love you? And I'm not, I'm not talking about you uh, 10 years from now because you know, we all know that you 10 years from now are awesome. <laughs> you 10 years from now, you're not struggling with the things that you're struggling with at the moment. And uh, you 10 years from now are very bold in telling people about Jesus, you're very uh, faithful in reading the scriptures, very consistent in prayer. I'm saying that God actually delights in you today. And that idea, that, that truth, that God delights in you today, I wonder if, if, I, if I really dug down and, and started asking about that, I wonder how much you would, you would believe that and how much you would live in the good of that. And so my big question for us today is how well do we know that we are God's sons? Why, why I'm sort of going, oh yeah, and I'm going to say sons, not children, because that's what this passage says. But just so you know, that's, it includes women as well as men. But as we'll see at the end, it's talking about sons in the context of sons being heirs. But we'll get to that. But why I think this is so important is because everything else flows out of this. So everything we do in our walk with God, our worship, how we serve others, how we tell us about Jesus, it all flows out of how well we know the Father heart of God. 
And so that's why I'm saying it's such a big deal for us and why I think God really wants to speak to us today. For me, I had, I'd say, like two, two things that I, that I really battled with that, which changed once, I, once God spoke to me about this. But for me, like doubt. So literally, I was, literally, I just doubted, is God real? Uh, and and so, and, and the other one was just this kind of thing for me of uh, desperately trying to win approval of others. And those are both things which, for me, uh, really changed once, I, um, once God revealed more of his heart of, of love towards me. Now, for you, it's probably completely different things. So I don't know what you're struggling with. You might, it might be anger, it might be disappointment, unforgiveness, whatever it is. But I do believe that really so much, uh, as well as the, the, the good stuff of how we serve God comes out of that, that understanding, that Father's love for us. Also, our struggles, they come to an end well, they certainly we grow in that, out of those things when we grasp God loves, God's love for us. All right, it's a bit of an intro. Uh, so let's, let's pray, because for God to do this, it takes the Holy Spirit, doesn't it? For him to reveal this to our hearts, so let's ask him to reveal this to us. Father God, we thank you so much for this great truth today. We thank you that we are your children we thank you we your loved sons and daughters. I just ask, Holy Spirit, would you reveal that to us today? Pray. We thank you that your word is so powerful. Your word is, uh, it really cuts through, really gets to the bottom of things, really exposes the truth, exposes what's going on in our hearts. Holy Spirit, you love to, to, to speak to us, to reveal Jesus, to reveal uh, your will for our lives and, and, and reveal God's heart for us. I pray, please, would you make us receptive today? Holy Spirit, would you help us to listen uh, to you and to hear what you're saying? I pray, please help me to speak in a way that is clear and gives you glory today in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So if you'd like to turn, if you have a Bible, uh, to Galatians chapter 4, the words are going to come up on the screen. Um, I'll just say before I start reading, actually, it's a slightly uh, tricky structure. Uh, so, so we're looking at verses 1 to 11. Uh, verses 1 to 3 are talking about the Jews being uh, slaves to the law. Then verses 4 to 7 are talking about basically the kind of the gospel, the, the, the great sort of solution to this. But then verses uh, 8 to 11 are talking about uh, how the non-Jews are enslaved. So it's a bit bit of a funny order. So how I'm going to look at it is we're going to look at the Jews are enslaved and the Gentiles enslaved and then Jesus being uh, coming and being the answer to that. So let's read it anyway. So uh, Galatians 4 from verse 1. I mean that the heir, as long as he is a child, is no different from a slave, though he is the owner of everything. But he's under guardians and managers until the date set by his father. In the same way, we also, when we were children, were enslaved to the elementary principles of the world. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his Son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are my sons, God has sent the Spirit of his Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son, and if a son, then an heir through God. Formerly, when you didn't know God, you were enslaved to those that by nature are not gods. 
But now that you've come to know God, or rather to be known by God, how can you turn back again to the weak and worthless elementary principles of the world whose slaves you want to be once more? You observe days and months and seasons and years. I'm afraid I may have laboured over you in vain. All right. Quite tricky, I must admit. When I first read it, I was like, what is this? Uh, But I'm just going to take us through it kind of uh, verse at a time. And I think think it'll... uh, It's actually pretty simple. It's pretty clear. All right. So verse 1 and 2. I mean that the heir, as long as he is a, a child, is no different from a slave, though he is the owner of everything. But he's under guardians and managers until the date set by his father. So this is kind of the, uh, the picture, a bit similar to what Dan shared last week. That, uh, so Paul's talking about the Jews and he's saying they're like this kind of young master who, uh, you know, one day he's told, you know, all this will be yours. So in the Jews' case, one day this great promise will be yours that you'll be blessed, all the nations, all the world will be blessed through you. Uh, so that's coming. Uh, you're going to inherit that, but uh, meanwhile, while you're waiting, you're, you're under this figure, this guardian sort of figure that Dan sort of spoke about last week, and he said it's, it's pedagogue, it's this word, a bit like a sort of nanny kind of figure over the Jews, which is the law, which is saying, you know, don't do this, do that, stay on track. Okay? Verse 3, in the same way, we also, when we were children, were enslaved to the elementary principles of the world. So Paul's actually saying that uh, not only... So the picture last week was kind of of being like a child, but now Paul says, actually, when when the Jews were under the law... So what is the law, I should say, for for those of you coming in with absolutely no understanding of uh, if this is your sort of first time, the law is is basically God called for himself a people. He said, I'm going to make the nation of Israel my people. You'll be my people and I'll be your God. And here are the ways that uh, I want you to live. And so it's not just the Ten Commandments, it's all these laws, 600 laws, ways that I want you to live. And so uh, the Jews, they didn't feel like they were uh, slaves to that, but they would actually say it's a privilege you know, that God had ch- has chosen us and he's shown us how to live. But then here, verse 3, Paul's saying, actually, you're like slaves. You were like slaves. The Jews were like slaves before Jesus came. Uh, so it seems strong to us, but for one thing, um, he was, his kind of concept of a slave is different from ours. So when we think of slave, we think of you know, human trafficking, we think of, uh, kind of slaves that were here and in the US uh, kind of centuries ago and were you know, absolutely terribly treated. That's not that kind of slave. This is more like a kind of household servant. So the slaves in those days, you could... You might, you'd have a, a slave might have a family. They could earn money and save money. They could buy their way out of slavery. They could, if you were in real debt, you could sell yourself into slavery. So it's, it's very different from that picture. It's probably the closest thing would be like a, a sort of household servant. But Paul is still saying, yeah, you were like slaves. And really what he's saying is, compared to this amazing place that you've now got in Christ, where... That the veil between you and God has been taken away. You know Jesus. Saying, in this amazing place that you're in now, looking back at that, that that's like slavery. Okay, so that's verses one to three. Now we're going to sort of skip forward a little bit. Like I said, because Paul kind of talks about the Jews, and then he uh, he talks about uh, the non-Jews, the main sort of people who are reading this. Uh, and so he talks about them starting in verse 8 and he says, Formerly, you did not know God. You were enslaved to those that by nature are not gods. 
So whereas the Jews were enslaved to the law, people who are, who are not Jews, they were enslaved to all these other kind of pagan gods that they were following, so like Zeus and Hermes, and they were the kind of jo- gods where you would... Uh, there were sort of these distant figures, and they, were, they might sort of toy with you. You're just these sort of puny little men, and, and you were sort of living in fear and sacrificing to them. Uh, so Paul's saying, oh, okay, you were enslaved to those gods, and then we look at ourselves and we think, okay... Obviously, we're 21st century Londoners. We're kind of, we don't adopt those kind of weird, uh, outdated practices. But actually, you know, before you came to know Jesus, or perhaps you don't know Jesus, uh, you're enslaved to something. So it might be for you superstition. You might be the sort of person that, you know, maybe you would like to wear a sort of necklace, and it's kind of like a, just a sort of safety thing. You can't really put your finger on it, but it's just a sort of sense, I wear this kind of for protection, or touch wood, or whatever, and that's your kind of, your, your kind of, that's your sort of security. Or it might be that you, uh, you get yours from money and when you, uh, you know, you kind of say, let's save lots of money because I don't know what the future's going to bring. And so in that sense, you're enslaved to money. Or you might be an atheist and, and in that case, you're saying, look, there's no meaning in life. Nothing has any meaning. Everything is futile. Uh, in that sense, you're, you're enslaved to this worldview that actually, even any meaning I make up for myself, I'm just, I'm just creating it for myself. There's no meaning in life. All these things are things that we look to where we should be looking to God. So these are all things that we're other gods that we're enslaved to, whether that's money, relationships, whatever it is. But things that where God wants to bring us uh, freedom, we look to these other things. We turn our backs on God and we say, no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get my uh, security. I'm going to get my trust from these other things. And Paul was saying here, look, you, you were brought out of those things and you, you're brought into this amazing freedom. And this is where it starts to get good news for us, okay? So it starts in uh, verse 4 and 5. Paul says, But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his Son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. Jesus is God. Imagine he's, he's in heaven with God. He's been there. He's always been there with God, with the Father. And yet he says, look, I'm going I'm to come down. I'm going to come down as a Jew. It says he's born under the law. That means he, that he made himself. He didn't need to, but in his grace and humility, he came down and made himself subject to this law. And then Jesus came and he, he lived that perfect life. So this standard that God had set for people that none of them were able to live up to. Jesus lived up to it and he fulfilled the law completely and then it says he redeemed us. So then he went to the cross and on the cross he he paid the price for us so that we could be brought out of slavery into this new place, it says, to being adopted as sons. That's the good news. That's what we get excited about as Christians. Um... And so he's talking about, first of all, he talks about uh, the, the Jews, that, that the law was fulfilled for them, but actually it applies to all of us. He says that uh, it's not just the Jews brought out of slavery under the law, but we all, whatever we were enslaved to before, brought out of that slavery and into adopt, uh, adoption as sons. Uh, so I'm going to skip forward again to verse, uh, verses 9 to 11. He says, But now that you've come to know God, or rather to be known by God, How can you turn back again 
to the weak and worthless elementary principles of the world, whose slaves you want to be once more. You observe days and months, seasons and years. I'm afraid I may have laboured over you in vain. So what he's saying is like, so you've been rescued, you've been brought out of that, and now he's like saying, what are you doing? Why are you going back to slavery? So the people receiving this letter would be like, well, we're not. You know, we're just following the Jewish law. We're brought out for that slavery where we used to worship these pagan gods, but now we're, we're following the Jewish law. But Paul's saying, no, that, that law was for then. It's not for you. It's dead. We know there's nothing, there's nothing uh, in that law that can bring you to Jesus. And so he's saying, why are you going back to that? And I want to sort of apply that for us today, really, and say, why do we... I wonder why it is that we, we so easily leave the simplicity of oh, Jesus has, ma- has made us free, he's adopted us, uh, the Father has adopted us as, as sons. Why would we go back to doing works, trying to do stuff on top of that uh, to, to make ourselves kind of worthy uh, of God's love? And I think it's simply this, that we, we kind of think uh, there must be something I've got to do to earn God's love. I, I was... I was speaking to my, my four-year-old a, a couple of weeks ago. I said to her, because uh, I, I was preparing this, I thought, I'll just sort of try it out, see what she says. So I said, like, does God love you? She said, yep. I said, does God love you more when you're good or when you're bad? And straight away, when I'm good. So even then, she's four, she's already started uh, thinking like, that her, her Father in Heaven uh, is like the rest of us. She's already sort of thinking, oh yeah, God will love me more when I'm good, when I do good stuff. It can't possibly be this simple, can it? That simply putting our faith in Jesus, uh, looking to, our, our, to God as our Father, it can't possibly be enough, can it? That's, that's, that's the sort of mentality. And what it's like is uh, this son who kind of says, hey, you get adopted as a son, but then you think, oh, I'm going to go back to being a servant. I'm going to go back to being a, a servant in... Uh, in this household, which is absurd, and and I want us to think a little bit about how just how sort of absurd that is. So imagine if my kids uh, just suddenly decided one day to basically keep out of my way and uh, kind of stay in their room, keep their room nice and tidy, keep the volume down, don't bother dad unless uh, unless he sort of asks for something. Like what a crazy thought that would be. And uh, imagine how that, like, as if that is the, what I would want my children to do. Of course it's not. Or imagine if my, my child came to me and said, Hey, Dad, you know, I've, I've, uh, I've, I've come top of the class in nursery this week. I've managed to, uh, I don't know what, I managed to colour in the lines or whatever, go to the toilet without making too much mess. <laughs> Nailed that, I've, uh, and I've, uh, you know, my, my consumption of greens at meal times that's gone up thirty percent over the last month. <laughs> I've uh, uh, and I've stopped doing that thing that you didn't like, where I pick my nose and like wipe at my brother's hair, all that stuff. So I've, I've got better, Dad. What do you say? How about keeping me on as your child for a bit longer? Like, like what, what a what an absurd thought that uh, that that our child would would come to us and, and sort of. Of course not. Like you're my, you're my child. You're that's it. It's fixed. You're my child. It's done. You know that. Um, fact, Torsten. What a great example. I should have thought of you. So, so Torsten, uh, he has two biological children, two adopted children. 
Now, uh, if you have... Um, those children have uh, exactly the same standing. So when you adopt a child, like, it's done. Like, there's, it can't ever be undone. Like, it could no more be undone. So it, it would be just as much a nonsense for, for, for Torsten to one day say to, to his adopted children, oh, you're, you're no longer my children, as, as it would be to say it to his biological children. Like, it's, it's absolutely... Of course, it's, it's a nonsense. It couldn't, it couldn't happen. It couldn't be done. It's, and it's the same thing, like... Our place in God is completely secure, so why do we keep uh, kind of going to this, this sort of madness of trying to uh, do works, do things, in order, to, um, in order to feel secure in his love for us? And I think the answer is here in verse 6. It says, And because you are sons, God has sent the Spirit of his Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. It's saying that uh, the same Holy Spirit that was in Jesus... Is in each of us, and it causes us to cry, Abba, Father. Now, uh, I think those, those three words, cry, Abba, Father, are, are the, the bits that I've most sort of looked at and explored and got excited about, because um, I don't know about you, but I always thought that Abba meant Daddy. And uh, I think I've even said it up the front here before. And, uh, <clears throat> and it turns out it's not... The, the reason that sort of that mistake's come about, so it doesn't mean daddy. Um, and what's happened is that Paul, in this case, he's he's quoting uh, Jesus, who who prayed, "Abba, Father," and uh, he prays it in Aramaic. Uh, but the reason that that kind of uh, misconceptions has sort of hung around for a long time about this idea that Abba means daddy is that in Hebrew, it just so happens that Abba does mean daddy. Uh, but actually, what it does, and so for, for those of you who are like, oh. Disappointing. Like I always referred to Jesus, uh, referred to God as as Daddy, and I loved that. Listen, it's it all the all the kind of intimacy and wonderful uh, Father heart of, of God is is still in this passage. So please do not be discouraged in that sense. But it's just that the word Daddy is not a great translation. But let me tell you what it does mean because uh, it's just as profound, just as wonderful. Uh, so Abba is like this. You know when you. You know, when you're, you know when you're about to explain something and you know that you don't know anything more than enough to explain it. It's one of those. So uh, it's something called the vocative sense. And uh, right on the edges of my knowledge here. Uh, the vocative sense. And, and basically what it is, is, is that I would only say Abba Father if I'm speaking to my father. So it's, it's only used directly. So uh, I would never... So Hazia... I would never say Hazia is Abba father to Aween. I would say Hazia is father to Aween. But Aween would say Abba father to his dad. So it's something you can only ever say if you're speaking to your dad. Uh, so what's Paul saying here? He's saying that we... Uh, so he's quoting Jesus. Jesus prayed Abba father. And then he's quoting Jesus and uh, deliberately saying, Jesus prayed our Father, and now you have that same spirit in you. You have that same status as Jesus. You can cry out, Abba, Father, to your Father too. And so, uh, just to give you a quick uh, analogy, so imagine uh, President Obama comes to Revelation Church. He's never come, actually, but uh, let's imagine he does. It could be next week. So he comes here with all his family, and uh, think about how you would address uh, President Obama, you'd call him Mr. President, wouldn't you? Or Mr. President, sir, or whatever. Uh, but imagine how his kids would then speak to him. They'd probably call him dad, wouldn't they? Uh, and it's saying, actually, you, 
have that position. You could call him dad. You can uh, call him your father as if you are, uh, because you now have that same position of being uh, a son of his. Um, so uh, here's, what, here's what it kind of, uh, so what I'm saying is, I want us, Paul is giving us this, this kind of, um, I don't know what to call it really, like a template or an example of how we can relate to God. We can cry Abba Father to him. And uh, I was just sort of thinking about, okay, what does that look like? Like, what, what does this like, relationship look like? And I mean, I know I'm giving, I know like, obviously I use any excuse to like stick my kids at the front, but obviously uh, the obvious kind of example for me is, my, you know, my kids and I, I will come home from work. Sometimes it's got to the point now where, and I know you'll find this hard to believe, but I'm actually like too exciting my children, so like, if it's nearly bedtime, I have to like creep in and try not to be seen by them because I'm too exciting. It's just kind of cool. But I, but normally, as long as I'm not sort of creeping in, I'll, I'll come in and they'll run to me, <clears throat> jump up, daddy, jump into my arms, uh, and start like just downloading their day, telling me about what they've been doing. Um, and uh, yeah, I got, I got top of the class for not weeing on the floor, whatever they'll be saying. So they'll be saying all this stuff, and uh, I think what. Well, now, what is that? Because I know that not a day goes by when my children obey me. Not a, probably not a minute goes by when my children obey me. And yet they know that they can run to me and, and, and I'll, I'll grab them and pick them up and love them. What is that? Like, why is that? And it's because they can, they can sense my delight in them, isn't it? They, they, they can see that I delight in them. And I think that is... That is what I want us to do um, shortly. I want us to meditate on this idea that God delights in us and he loves us and, 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 and he loves to spend time with us. And, and that's what I want us to think on. And, and it, this, kind of, this kind of way of, of coming to God, I want us to think of all those times when we might come to God and, and kind of be a little bit like hesitant in coming to him. So whether it's, uh, you, you know, you come to God at, at, and it's, uh, you know, you haven't prayed in a while, and, and you come to God, and how do you do that? And, and Paul is saying here, we can cry, Abba, Father. And, and just the, the immediate kind of power of that, because uh, my first instinct is, w- when I come before God, is to, is to, is to be about, like, you know, God, I, I know you're probably feeling pretty frustrated with me right now, because I'm not making, I not, not, don't seem to be doing great in a lot of areas, but... Please have mercy on me. I thank you that you have mercy on me. But actually, when I come to God and I say, uh, you love me. You love me. Thank you, Father. When I come to him, I say, I'm your child. When I cry, Abba, Father, I'm saying, I'm your child. I'm loved. Why am I loved? Well, I'm loved just because you love me. That's the way that you've... That's what you're like. And so those, think of those instances where we find it hard to uh, believe that... Uh, yeah, we, because we're still struggling, because we're still, uh, we didn't do those things that we know he wanted us to do, or, or we did those things which we know he didn't want us to do, and, and, and we sort of struggle to come before him, we hesitate to come in prayer, we hesitate to step out and pray for others. Uh, what, a, what a wonderful sort of antidote this is to that, because we can say, no, God, you, you are my father. You love me. All right. Verse 7. We're just going to wrap up on this verse. So, you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. 
Like, what does an heir do? Like, what does an heir do to get their position? Nothing. Just get born. All you've got to do is be born. Simple. Those of you that have uh, been born again, have, uh, have received, uh, have, have said to Jesus, I'm going to follow you. You're, you're heir to all these things. But those of, you, those of you that are here today who wouldn't say, oh, I follow Jesus, I've, I've given my life, I've given my heart to Jesus, I've given my life to following Jesus. If you, if you have never said that before, you can say that today in a minute. We're going to give you opportunity to pray that for yourself. And when you do, what happens is when you come to know, uh, know, know God as, as your Father, is that you are heir to all this great stuff. You're heir to forgiveness, to knowing that uh, all those times that you turned your back on God, you were hostile to Him, that you went your own way, that, that, that's forgiven. And, and you're given Jesus' righteousness. Not only are you given His uh, complete uh, Holiness that makes you able to stand before a holy God, but actually you're given the kind of uh, righteousness which means that you're becoming more like God day by day because you just hang out with, with God more now. And kids are amazing mimics of their, of their fathers, so you find that you're heir to, to just becoming more like God in character. We would, you, you become heir to eternal life. To, to, to being with God for eternity, but actually more than that, it beginning now that you're given, you're, you're made an heir to this status of, of coming into God's kingdom and being able to uh, be part of His kingdom, being swept up in His purposes uh, for this life as well as the next life. What I just wanted to do is I've just got a couple of um, responses. So for those that don't know Jesus, uh, to to do that today, and, and for those of us that already do. Um, be good actually maybe if um, wherever Andy is if you want to come up and, uh, and uh, in a minute we're just going to we're just going to sing and think on the heart of God for us but if you don't already know Jesus and, you, and you're wondering like, how can I be saved it's as simple as this it's as simple as saying Father help me I need you it's, it really is as simple as that so I just invite you now, let's just, um, in fact, we, why don't we all just sort of close our eyes where we are, and uh, so you don't have to get up or anything just yet, but if you don't know God, if you, if you would say that you came here today and you didn't know, you, you weren't sure of your status as son, you'd never uh, prayed that, that prayer to say, look, I'm going to follow Jesus. If that's you, I would just say, look, just pray to God now say, Father, I need you. Help me, Father. Just that simple prayer is the beginning of a journey uh, to walking with God. And if, if that's you, if, if you, if you want to make that, that step today, I would just encourage you to, uh, we're all going to take communion together in a minute, just encourage you to uh, perhaps go with whoever you came with or, or, um, or just... Uh, grab me in a minute or whoever, but just go and take bread and wine and do that as your first, uh, your first act, really, of, of being a, a child of God. And then for the rest of us, I just want us to, like I say, we've got, about, we've got some time. We, we normally finish about 5.30. That means we've got half an hour. What I'd love is for us to just um, 
meditate on this idea. You know that in, in Zechariah 2.8, God describes his people as the apple of his eye. And I want us to meditate, not just on the wonderful truth that, we, that, that, uh, that, that we're adopted as his sons, but to just meditate on this truth that, what that means. Like, think on, um, and a lot of you, you won't have that, that great father model in your life. So it's difficult for you to think on, but think on a God now who is a perfect father and who would describe you as the apple of his eye, the one that he delights in, and not, not dependent on what, what you're like now, not dependent on what you're going to be like in the future, but just dependent on his love, what he is like. You might be sort of thinking, oh, this is quite, this is quite airy-fairy, isn't it? It's quite... It's quite, um, it's all very fluffy, this word, isn't it? Like, where, where does it come into uh, working for God's kingdom? Well, actually, all that stuff comes out of this right heart of, of, of knowing the Father. Once we know the Father, it, we love to be obedient to Him. But it, it's got to start there. It's got to flow out of there. I believe that the Holy Spirit wants to set some people free today of... Uh, of just working, just just working for God, trying to trying to somehow earn this this status of son, and He wants to say to you, look, you've already got it. It's done. It's decided.